Carpenter is a two-month Halloween series featuring the best and the worst of Carpenter's horror movies, included The Fog, Ghost of Mars, Christine, and more. The Thing and They Live sold separately. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from ColdSploitation.com, and I'm joined with my co-host, Martin. How's it going? I'm doing well. Uh, two weeks till Halloween. It's a little countdown. Right. Sort No. Fourteen days till Halloween, Halloween, oh, Halloween. Go. Fourteen days till Halloween. Blood and Black Rum Podcast. You should have done that. Is that our theme? Hmm. <laughs> it should be right. No, our theme is the creepy crawler theme for the Carpenter Month or oh. Carpenter series. Right? Remember, creepy Carpenter. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> This theme, the theme is so stupid, but it works. You're welcome. I know. It's good. It's good. I put it together. You had the idea. It's how we roll here on the I'm, Blood and Black Rum podcast. That's right. I'm just a pitch man. Pitch man beer fetcher. That's right. All right. So we are continuing Creepy Carpenter Month series on our show. Um, we have been doing all of the Carpenter films, uh, horror films, that we hadn't covered previously, like, you know, we did, we've already done The Thing, we've already done Halloween, uh, but the ones that we hadn't done, we included in our So Creepy It's Carpenter series. The good, which, the bad, yeah, and the creepy. And the creepy. The creepy being the worst. And I think we've already done the creepiest. For me, it's Ghost of Mars. But we'll talk about that, too, at the end oh. of the show. It's funny because for the longest time you were saying, no, it's the ward. It's John Carpenter's the ward that's the worst. <laughs> I know. I know. Ryan has a confession. I do have a confession to make. I um, I found out when I was watching the ward that <laughs> I've never actually seen the ward. <laughs> so I owe the ward and John Carpenter a little apology for, um, you know, <laughs> for saying mean things about it and uh, disparaging it because – you must have just saw like a bad like article on like uh, yeah, it's on, possible like, on like Fangoria or something. Maybe. Yeah, maybe like the 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 film's uh, poster seems yeah. really familiar to me, and it's terrible. Yeah, it is terrible and doesn't really seem to indicate anything about the movie. It's uber late Bush Obama years horror. Yeah, and, and so I don't know if the poster just stood out to me and I thought I had seen it. But I definitely – if I've seen it, I definitely do not remember this movie at all. And the movie that I was thinking of that I thought was The Ward was actually The Shrine, released in the same year in 2010. And um, I wouldn't even say it has a similar present premise because it doesn't. But it's it does have a female protagonist, I guess. Um, Is she blonde? Yeah. And that's really, you know, I don't know why, but I, I, I always thought I had it that the ward was the shrine. So I was super confused. And when I watched this movie, I was like, I'm pretty sure I have not seen this. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, so I will apologize right up, be be straight up with you, and say, you know, the rest uh, the the earlier episodes where I talked about the ward, I had no idea what I was talking about. Never <laughs> seen it before. This was my first time watching it, so. So now we can talk about how I feel about it, and now I can, I can be, I cement my knowledge of what this film is, and then disparage it if I please because I have now seen it. But previously, I had this? not seen it. What? What film is this? The Ward. No. John Carpenter's The Ward. God damn it! Like every episode. <laughs> I don't think there's been a single one so far that you haven't fucked it up on yet. And that's certainly how it's presented on here too when it when it fades in with the title card. It's definitely John Carpenter's The Ward. It's very, very apparent that that's what they were going for here. But no Carpenter font. So, you know. No, yep. The Carpenter font is missing here. Um, 
and that's kind of the uh, the whole. I, I guess that leads us to the whole discussion about the ward being it's Carpenter, but it's not. And um, this movie is one that I think stands out, kind of like Ghosts of Mars. When we talked about Ghosts of Mars, we talked about how um, there's no John Carpenter stamp on it. It seems you know there's some some transitions that seem like Carpenter, but ultimately it doesn't really feel like a John Carpenter movie. Um, and I would say the word is very similar to that. It has the Carpenter-esque Ghosts of Mars editing, but in total, it doesn't really seem like Carpenter. Now, we should point out that Carpenter did not write this movie. It was written by the uh, Rasmussen brothers, I believe. And um, Carpenter did not score this movie. Literally, his I think his only job on this movie was to direct it. And that's kind of different from most of his other releases uh, because he normally has more of an intimate role in either the writing or the scoring or the, you know, the production. Um, so I, I find that interesting. It, which makes it weird because you think for a film that the man came back after 10 years. Yeah. Yep. You have to kind of – and I don't – I like I said, I don't know much about the word at all because this is my first time watching it. So I don't really know the background of the word's production. Like what got Carpenter involved? Why – you know, why was he um, taken with directing this movie? Was it a – contract you know was there something uh that some weird thing that were they were like john you signed for 10 movies and you've only given us nine so you've got to direct this one no, um this is, this is uh like indie as indie gets now from what wikipedia says after you know taking a hiatus and falling out of lo- love with film after ghost of mars after doing some episodes for masters of horror he decided like oh you know i'm kind of getting back into it and he kind of stumbled upon this script and said it came along, it felt good, and that's why he did it. And that came from a bloody disgusting interview in 2016, so. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, do you feel like the subject matter is a Carpenter-esque, like, type of story? It could be. He's a, he's a man that's done everything, you know, from yeah. rom-coms to kung fu thrillers to horror to slashers you mm-hmm. know, to action-adventure. So, you know, I think this is fine. It's very – I think the ideas in this film are good, but they're very of time. They're very, you know, uh, derivative. Like there's – how many films from the mid-2000s can you think of that were kind of like, you know, uh, like uh, – Psychological like, thriller t- type thing. Yeah, like not and not just to think like the one of the main ones that comes to mind like Shutter Island, but there was a lot of films that kind of had that same kind of aesthetic and idea kind of pulsing throughout. Even though I'd say this film definitely, whether it, it was intentional or not, or they were just written at the same time, it definitely apes a lot from Shutter Island. Yeah, um, it is interesting. Like the two thousands had an obsession with the psychological thrillers. Like it's not. Um you know, it's it's something that kind of didn't. I don't know. It did carry over, I guess, a little bit into the the 2010s, but um, it was a really like heavily used in the 2000s, late 2000s. Um, it 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 seemed to be a a point of interest for for a lot of films, and and the word is one of those. And and it doesn't necessarily feel like a psychological thriller um, throughout most of the running time. Um, I think most of the time it feels like a paranormal film. Um, and then in the, probably in the last like third or final act, um, it takes a turn towards the psychological and, um, we'll talk a little bit more later on about whether that is successful or not, but it is an interesting premise that Carpenter has not really done from his, in his output that we've covered, um, during so creepy it's carpenter i i don't really think that we've done one where psychological thriller um is a big piece of the carpenter movie do you can you think of any that we've done that was like you know that had tendencies of psychological thriller yeah john carpenter's vampires it's super psychological whether the baldwin brothers gonna decide whether or not he's gonna 
try to grope this uh, <laughs> vampire. Yeah, they're right. Yeah. Daniel Baldwin, like, just what's going through his mind? Hell, what's going through James Wood's mind? Yeah, the biggest psychological thriller in um, Vampires was trying to figure out whether it was James Woods or David Caruso. That, that was mine. It was just like, which one is it? Um, all right, let's... It seems, it seems so long ago now. I know. <laughs> all right, let's take a break real quick. We'll talk about the beer that we have on the show before we get into the ward, because I will be honest with you. Nope, stop. No? Say it again. John Carpenter's the word. Thank you. I will be honest with you. I'm not sure how much I have to say about the, that movie, so... We were gonna we're gonna pad this out with beer talk for sure. <laughs> it's a good way to start the podcast. Well, that's how you know we have a good beer today. That's right. So the beer that we have on the show is I, I think we talked about it and we were excited for it coming out. Um, but we finally have it in our hands. It's more of a Thanksgiving beer to me, but I think it goes well in you know, October, November, December time frame. I think it that's the right time for it. The the start of winter. Kate, when you start to drink it, don't you hear like the, it's Christmas Charlie Brown music playing like Christmas time. It's Christmas time. Wow, you don't know the song, do you? No. Jesus Christ. Christmas time is here. <laughs> that's the song. Man, you don't do a lot of Christmas celebrating. No, as you should have known by the time we uh, yeah I know that we spent on our uh, on our outings to the mall. Yeah. Well, that and well, that one time we went to the mall and we were listening to Mersbau. So, Dad Rocket. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't Christmas music in the car. It was that was when I had my Achieva and a tape player. Oh, those <laughs> were the days. Listen, I told our buddy Matt, who now works at Best Buy, we're gonna go up at. Uh, Black Friday when he's working. We're just going to spend six hours going, what's that? I am. Tell me what that is. I will. What's that? I, you know, I also told him, you'll appreciate this. I told him what he needs to do is somehow get his hand, hands on a Michael McDonald live DVD <laughs> and put it in so he can be Paul Rudd from 40-Year-Old Virgin and do the best part of that whole film when he walks up to what's her name? Tall blonde lesbian. I can't remember her name. And just say... If I have to listen to this Michael McDowell DVD one more time, I'm going to kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tell us what we got on the show today. We've had this brewery a billion times on our podcast because uh, we're not sponsored by them yet. We're just pretty big fans. And uh, today we have the new Genesee Seasonal. Genesee, if you don't know, is based out of Rochester, New York. You know, Western New York, the fine place in New York, and they have a new winter sp- seasonal. Um, for the past, I think, two years, they've done a Schwartz beer. They're a Schwartz beer, which is a black lager, if you don't know. And they're mixing it up. They got rid of it this year, which I did like the Schwartz beer. We've done it on the podcast before. That's pretty good. But I ne- unlike most of their seasonals, that's kind of like the one that I didn't buy the most because as much as I like a Schwartz beer, it's something I even if it's you know. Nice and drinkable as theirs was. Got to be in the mood for. Like one of the best beers I've ever had, and we've done a podcast before, is Saranac's Black Forest uh, Schwartz beer, which is great. And I love it. It's one of my favorite beers of all time. Got to be in the mood for it, though. Even though it's a smooth, crisp lager, it's just that overwhelming, dark, malty, chocolatiness that you get out of it. You got to be in the mood for So they mixed it up and made it definitely much more... As the Dude Bros like to say, crushable this year. They have a Cran Orange Keller beer, which is German for cellar beer. So it's a nice, unfiltered uh, lager. And I will say, this is delightful. It's on par with like the Ruby Red Coast, which is one of my favorite beers of all time. You get a lot of orange at first. Very like zesty and kind of like orange rindy. And then you get... This big hint of like cranberry, which is very reminiscent, like if you're drinking like an ocean spray, like cranberry juice, you get it on the scent as well. It's a very prominent, seems very sweet, but it pairs so well. The beer is crushable, it's delightful, it's got a slight weediness to it, slight maltiness to it. Delightful. I could see me pounding a whole 12 pack on Thanksgiving Day 
eating some turkey and stuffing and getting ready to watch the Bills play the Saints. Go Bills. <laughs> wow, that's a very specific image of the of how you're spending your time with the crayon orange killer beer. How the, the only thing it's missing is like maybe like if they add like a lime to it. Like ooh. Oh. Like, oh, crayon lime orange? Yeah, Are you kidding me? Or like crayon lime, that'd be delightful. Yeah, so it's it, it, it's near like it's it's close. I would say it's like almost shandy like, but not quite. Yeah, it, it, even though it's sweet, it's still got like a nice weediness to it that makes it you know like stand out as like a beer instead of like oh I'm drinking like a, a light line and Kugel shandy, which is just pure sugar. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It is very shandy like, um, but not not to the point where some of them get cloying, which is my favorite word, and this one definitely does not. It's just super smooth. Um, the crayon. The orange, they all come together. Um, the Keller beer element is interesting because I don't know how much Keller beer I've had before. Um, yeah, they're just not super popular. And um, while I I wouldn't say like a Keller beer specifically, um, you could point it out like, oh yeah, that's a Keller beer from tasting the crayon orange. I think it's interesting that they're bringing in a style because it's just not very popular. Um. And it's, it's actually like – I feel like Keller beer as a style is more for brewers where they're like, oh, you made a Keller beer. You know, like the this, this specific way that you brew it is like more interesting than the actual flavor of the Keller beer because to all, for all intents and purposes, this tastes like a lager almost. You know what I mean? Like it's not – there's no – Apparently Keller beers in I guess Munich uh, Hellas, which is uh, when I was reading my beer book when I was looking it up. Um, they're kind of like actually uh, earlier styles. Like I mean, not earlier. I mean, newer styles than what you think. Uh, apparently, they're kind of something that kind of they came about when uh, trying to compete with like Czech style pills. Yep, and that type of style. Yeah, it's you know it's it's not like a super prevalent flavor where you'd be like, yep, that's a Keller beer. But I do think it's interesting that they've chosen this style for this particular beer. But I will say that it is very Thanksgiving-esque. It reminds me of having like a nice uh, cranberry um, Moscow mule, uh, which are some of my favorite mixed drinks for the holidays. And I can definitely see myself, um, you know, supplementing with wine, of course, because Thanksgiving is a wine holiday for me. It is for whatever reason – I always go wine, but supplementing with the wine because you can only drink so much. I will be having Cran Orange Keller beer on Thanksgiving, and maybe, 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 maybe a celebration IPA or two from Sierra Nevada. Tradition, of course. But this Cran Orange Keller beer is really good. It's probably one of my favorite Genesee specialty uh, beers that they've put out so far. Um, we've had a lot of them. I don't I don't know if we've had all of them. We've had a lot of them. And I think this one is probably one of my favorites. It's definitely like neck and neck with the Ruby Red. I'd still say the Ruby Red's slightly better. Um but I do think it's better than their Oktoberfest and it's better than the Bach. Mhm. And then better than the Schwarz beer. Yeah. It is a really solid beer. And I think people even people who are not really a fans of beer are going to enjoy the Crane Orange Keller beer. Can't say enough. I like it. It's it's delightful. It really is. I love is. that the guy on it's got his nice beard and his flannel. And he's it's just great. <laughs> You're sighing because you just can't get enough. Because it's gonna be gone by late November, and we're gonna be in box season. And I know you, and you've already gotten you've already gotten through two packs. Yeah, well, it's that good. I know. They're a very solid brew. Very solid. Definitely hey, recommend hey, listen, it. Listen, we need we need to go out to Genesee and actually go to the brew house and get mm-hmm. some food and brews and such. They have a Saison on tap right now. Definitely. Have to check it out. So I don't know how widely this is getting distributed. I don't know if it's going to be like uh, limited to certain areas. Because I do know Genesee, although not nationwide, they are available quite a bit. I don't know how if they're going to be like, you know, if you can get a regular red eye Gen- Jenny, if they're going to be distributing it out that far. But if you see it, I definitely say try it. This is very good. Delight- 
the name Keller Beer scare you away. It's just a nice unfiltered lager. It's just delightful. Absolutely delightful. Very true. All right. So getting into John Carpenter's The Shrine. No, damn it. I messed it up again. Motherfucker. <laughs> John Carpenter's. I wish, I wish oh. our sound, we had a soundboard. So every time you fuck it up, we can be like, ting. I know. I know, right? Ting, ting. I meant John Carpenter's The Ward. Let's start off. First off, let's talk about that poster. The poster is terrible. It's very misleading it to me. It makes you think like, uh-oh, it's going to be hostile. I, you know what it reminds me of um, is like – Saw. Well, kind of. Kind of saw but also kind of like um, – there was a, a movie called um, – what was it called? The um, VHS. No, no. It was one with like – like tree roots, like roots that are coming oh, out, and Evil Dead. Well, yeah, that too. But <laughs> no, it was a more cont- the 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 ruins maybe or something had one like this. I don't know. Um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Maybe the shrine. <laughs> yeah, maybe the shrine. But anyway, <laughs> it reminds me of like one of those because it it almost it's like yeah, I see what it's doing. It's like paranormal arms pulling her into the blackness, but. It more it like almost reminds me of like like vines or uh you know hentai. <laughs> it's very misleading. It doesn't look like just it, went there. John Carpenter's hentai. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't look like um it's a movie about being in a mental hospital. And no, you wouldn't you wouldn't get that. At no, all. It, like it's no. Except and, from the, the war, like, oh, what, what, what does that mean? Oh, you think of like, oh, okay, like, uh, I don't know, what, what do we use the word ward for? Oh, yeah, like certain sections of a hospital. Oh, okay. Yeah, you kind of have to do some digging to figure out what exactly this is. This movie's going to be about. And I don't know that that's the the best approach for a poster. But anyway, yeah, the ward. Um, John Carpenter's, the John Carpenter's the word. The Rasmussen's the word. Um, you sure, it's not Rasmussen. I don't know. <laughs> Making it up. I assume they're brothers. Share the same name. Probably wrote the Matrix Four. Yeah. <laughs> um. They so the ward has a pretty like it has an interesting opening. Um. With Amber Heard, who is, um running from something you don't really know what running from the cops in like a a nighty and she's you know she stops running to burn down a farmhouse which you're missing the most important part it's not in california for once no it's not it's in uh what is it uh oregon oregon yeah north bend oregon north bend oregon i mean i'm not sure why, why Oregon? That's where they shot it. <laughs> yeah, I guess, right? It's just like, um, that's why. But and not only that, but we're in 1966 too, which is an important note because that's why there's lots of period dress. And we're not getting one floor of the cuckoo's nest vibes with our nurse here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think the the opening has an interesting and intriguing premise because it kind of starts in the you know in um the situation, and then you're left to piece together why exactly we saw this opening because the film kind of besides the fact that it's putting Amber Heard's character in the ward literal the the titular ward um. There's really no other um, return to the reason why she burned down this farmhouse at the beginning of the movie um, until later, way later in the movie. So you're kind of left with this question as you start the movie of like, why did we see that? What, what, like, what value was there in showing us her doing that and not returning to that issue? Just angsty, emo. Yeah. 
So do you think – so I guess in 1966, the cops responded to a, a mental breakdown fairly well. I don't know that they do that anymore. You know, normally there's a shooting at, during a mental breakdown, but <laughs> this woman's a danger to herself and other shooter. Don't they? They wouldn't even bother dropping her off at the nearest mental hospital. Well, that's because back in the '60s they actually had um, they wouldn't call them medical facilities; they'd call them asylum. Yeah. The, Sanatorium. Sanatorium. Yeah, sanitarium. Just throw them right in the sanitarium, which I will say, ain't it something that like every film ever, no matter what the time is, has to have uh, the same looking like, you know. The way that it looks? Yeah, the same sanitarium, like, oh, you know. Like, if you ever grew up watching these types of films, how could you ever want to ever be like a. A worker in one of these facilities wouldn't you be like, yeah, no, 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 there's no point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, but they do all have that like same um, sanit. So and, and also the one note that really defines this as a John Carpenter style movie, and I I realize that he didn't direct that one, but it has an empty hospital setting like Halloween two. Where, like, nothing, like, there's no one around half the time. You could have went to Into the Mouth of Madness. Yeah. <laughs> in this in this uh, mental hospital, half the time, there's literally no one around. Staffed by, staffed by four people. Yeah. They're I, ju- think, it, I, I think the fifth person I saw was Geraldo Rivera. Think, <laughs> was, uh, <laughs> doing his expose from the 70s on, you know, the state of upstate New York sanitariums. Yeah, I mean and that's that's a deep dive for you kiddies out there. If you never didn't know that Geraldo was once a actually a journalist. <laughs> yeah, I love the uh, the way that you know, especially later on in the movie, as Amber Heard's trying to break out of the uh, of her her um, room and and run away. She's basically got to get through three people. Right there's a there's a nurse on staff. There's a security guard. And an orderly, yeah, and then and that's it. And Which, then, by the way, let's give the film props for not having our orderly be like, oh, "I'm gonna fuck these chicks." Well, kind he's of, actually, right? No, no, he's actively like, "No, stay away from me." Yeah, kind of, but he's also but, but like, at the, but at the same time, he's not like, "Stay away from me," because I having sex with a patient's wrong. It's because no, I don't want to fuck. I don't want to date you because uh, you're crazy. Yeah. I mean, he does some whispering in her in their ears, but it's more so not like a rapey sort of thing. It's just like goading them. Because if if this was Rob Zombie's The Ward, oh yeah, oh yeah, going right for it. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, this the, so that's like one of the identities of a John Carpenter movie. You have a really low staffed hospital outfit that they're staying in and um which is also true to life yeah <laughs> well now it is you're, you're, yeah your local hospital being staffed by like hey, how many patients you got i don't know too damn many oh yeah and, and the word is interesting too because the um the the architecture of the building is not well defined based on what we see until later on in the movie where you're like this this thing has like four floors of people and we've only seen like this one particular floor like it almost it, which is cordoned it, off yeah it's like divorced from every single other area um which is if you think about it what well when you think about what the ending implies which I don't want to get into quite yet isn't that kind of greedy <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um yeah no i i i do like the setting and I, I appreciate, which they probably did it for budgetary reasons, but I do appreciate that it's just set inside the ward. It's very confined. Yes, yep. And I think they do the most with that. And I think the, where they did shoot is apparently an actual mental hospital. And 
It looks great. Yep. You know, it's got that nice chilling, like, you know, I mean, it is a stereotypical, like, kind of look to it, but apparently that's how we build all our mental hospitals. <laughs> look, yeah. You know, like Ar- Arkham Asylum. Well, that's so that anybody that gets transferred feels right at home. It looks like it looks exactly like that other place that I was just at. <laughs> but you know, so I do. I think aesthetically, the film. I think one of the pluses of this film is aesthetically, it's where it's shot looks great. How Carpenter films make you know actually shoots the film. Look, I think he does a very, a very good job. I think it's a very well shot film, especially for the budget that it had. It's very well done. I think a lot of effort was put into it, even on a small budget that it had. But I think the overall lack of nuance and lack of overall creativity is what makes this film go from being intriguing to Yeah, I think that is very true. Um, The movie has this paranormal element to it where – there's this haunting that's occurring and it bothering these women that are in this uh, mental hospital. And um, the main idea is that this this one woman is haunting all of them for some reason. And no one really knows exactly why. Is it because she's, you know, died in the mental hospital and she can't leave? Is it because um, something happened to her? And so the film, over time... Uh, explores what happened to this this ghost woman, um, Alice. Alice, as who the, who the fuck is that? They should have done that every time they mentioned her name. <laughs> Just to add that song, Alice. Who the fuck is Alice? Yeah, but it, the the movie just kind of uh, goes through the stages of of figuring out as Amber Heard figures out what exactly happened to Alice. Um, and finally her, her friends, I guess I would say, uh, in the asylum, tell her exactly what they did to Alice. And so it's really a paranormal movie for a lot of the, the film. And, um, I would say there's pretty good K and B effects here. Uh, Greg Nicotero, um, does the, the effects, especially for the, the ghost makeup and it's done pretty well. I think the ghost looks fairly compelling, um, but what I will say is that the overall paranormal element is super derivative. It is, you know, th- I would say like two thirds of the movie is so derivative that it really has no identity at all. And that's it. It to me, it's kind of a problem because I would say that the word is worse than being bad in some senses. Um, it's not bad. It's just super forgettable. Yeah, it really has no identity and it has no um, compelling qualities to it. It really – there's nothing that intrigues you. There's nothing that seems um, uh, like creative or out of the box besides maybe the the final psychological twist. There's nothing here that really um, feels like it's different from what you've seen before in, in movies like this. And I think that's the worst part about the word. It's a little hobgoblin mash of like one flew over the cuckoo's nest meets Shutter Island meets the ring. Mm-hmm. Which, in theory, could be, even though, it, as you said, it's derivative, it could be interesting. Because I think, again, I think Carpenter does enough directorially to make the film interesting. And, like, actually, you know, well-made film. Compared to like his late '90s output, where even though it's not bad, it does you know doesn't really hold up. Here, I think this even still ten years later, this looks like a good. It's a like I said for the budget it had, well made film. I don't think they do enough though. I think it's too loose, even for ninety minutes. It's too kind of loosey goosey in its premise. There's a lot of time spent just kind of sitting in the ward with these characters interacting, but not interacting in a meaningful way for you to ever give a shit. So you have all these, what turns out to eventually be different personalities that just, they just don't really do anything. They just kind of faff about and then like something happens and then they faff about for another 20 minutes. Then something happens. 
and it makes for a very, as you said, forgettable and kind of boring trip where they could have done some so much more to make the film more engaging to like what's actually going on. Because I don't think our ghost Alice shows up enough to be seen as a threat. I don't think they do it in a time like have anything paced out well enough to make it engaging. Because even though it is a ninety minute film, it feels like a fucking slog. Yeah, it's it's um like it has these moments of scares. And they're mostly jump scares, so they're what you would consider sort of um, uh, like, yeah, lowbrow, cheating. Um, The jump scares are really just because it has loud music, like loud stings. Um, And, you know, I I don't – the word – it's like it's not a bad movie. It's really – it's watchable. It's, um, you know, it's well-directed. Um, casting is pretty good. There's not really a weak link there with, with acting. Um, so it really has everything like, and even Amber Heard is, is pretty good. Um, it really has everything that you would expect from a good movie or a, a, you know, a, a, a solid movie, but it just stands out that it has no defining qualities to it. That you can pinpoint. It's just, it's just it, like, it's one of those movies that, if it's on TV, it would just be on in the background, and you wouldn't even know that it's either on or finished. I feel like it just kind of runs, <laughs> and you don't really need to pay attention to it. You don't really need to, um, you know, even acknowledge it for the most part because I feel like the 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 whole psychological twist at the end is pretty well like is it it's pretty indicated like you might not know exactly where it's going but you probably will anticipate that there's some psychological element to it because in itself being set in a mental hospital with an unreliable protagonist you're already thinking like yeah there's going to be something you know, or if you've seen again Sh- Shutter Island, you're like, all right, yeah, again. yeah, and and so I would well, say, the, I say the, the difference is Shutter Island, even though it ends on that twist, which kind of comes off even then kind of predictable. It ends in a way like when he goes back into character and they're putting him into like the get a lobotomy. You're like, you ask yourself, is he really back and he hasn't been cured, or is he because he can't live with himself, putting this front on so he could be, you know lobotomize and forget about it right you know so there's that nuance to it here it's just kind of like ta-da like if they actually wanted to throw the curve i think if you want to throw the curveball of like you know like oh these are just multiple personalities she had i know it's 1966 but couldn't you have at least like one of these people be like a black character or latino or something so it's not like Little Amber Heard's running around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty you much. Know, to, to, you know, to, you know. Well, I mean, even though it makes sense, like for her to have, you know, these people who are very similar to her running around because it's you know different personalities that she's created for herself, so she, she can associate with. It makes sense, but if for you, the viewer watching this, wouldn't you want to like you know kind of add a little diversity? to her personalities just so like it's not going to be an obvious twist Mm -hmm. yeah i i think that you know you're always you're waiting for that twist at the end and i don't know that it's really uh super impressive when we get that reveal that it's multiple personality and what we've seen has not actually occurred it's pretty apparent that that's the case and i will also say that i think there is um there is a an issue with having almost like a a cage match style wrestling between Amber Heard and Alice because it really takes away from the uh the spookiness of Alice when she's literally just like throwing Amber Heard around the room um i i i actually thought that they did 
throughout probably two-thirds of the movie, Alice was a compelling ghost. Um, I thought she was pretty creepy, the way they had her pop up in certain places, especially like when um, when uh, the one girl, Zoe, I think it was, is uh, riding in the dumbwaiter and she kind of pops up behind her in the dumbwaiter. Uh, it's a nice little scares, uh, especially because of the good makeup on the, on the ghost, um, which I will say is sort of like ghost ship, house on Haunted Hill, um, you know, 13 ghost style makeup effects, really very uh, 2000s. Um, but I thought that the ghost was compelling throughout until you get to that last part where she's literally just in a wrestling match with Amber Heard. And then it kind of goes from spooky to cheesy, um, you know, just not scary at that point. Uh, it's it's less of a, a haunting than, uh, uh, I don't know, paranormal um, fisticuffs. So I think that that takes a little bit away from the movie's um, final message too because at that point you're like, well, this ghost seems weird. <laughs> you know, it's not, this is not just a haunting anymore. Um, I think the, the ending reveal is sort of like haphazard. It's, it's very quick. It's just like Jared Harris comes in and, and uh, he's been pretty much absent for most of the movie. He really doesn't get to do a whole lot, which is disappointing because Jared Harris is a great actor. He's, he's, he, yeah, he, he's definitely uh, the best actor that you get. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's apparent that, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot to do here. But when he is on screen, he commands, and unfortunately, at the end of the movie, they really give him just an exposition dump to to give the audience exactly what's going on. And I think that's another reason why this psychological thriller kind of fails because it doesn't allow the you the the viewer to really put anything together. Um, they put it together for you. Yeah, exactly. They give you literally everything that you need to know, like right right in that exposition dump. Um, so unfortunately, well, I think the word is a fine movie. It's put together. Well, it, it is certainly, you know, watchable and there's nothing that really turns you off from watching it. It just really has nothing compelling going on that makes you want to continue watching or to watch it again. There's really no need to watch it again. And it just seems like a movie that exists and is doomed to be forgotten because of mediocrity. Um, and it doesn't even have John Carpenter's score either. It has it's a, a v- damn shame. I think his ambiance could have added definitely to. I, I I definitely think you're right. Like a lot of like the Ghost Alice bits are, I think, well done and effective. I don't. I think also too the fact that it's not. You know, overly gory, doesn't have these elaborate kills, is fine. And it makes, you know, I think he paces that those parts out pretty well. I think his score and his sense, you know, would really add quite a bit to the film. And I think it's really sad that they ended up opting to go for just like a generic 2000s horror score. Like, you know, cr- creaky violins and choral music. Which you get to see over the, especially over the opening credits right which are essentially a weird mix of a bond film and uh the remake of house on haunted hill yeah it's 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 just uh it's too bad there wasn't more atmosphere to it because i think that could have elevated it especially with the ghost i think the ghost does have pretty good makeup effects and if there was more of an atmospheric score it would have um really given this movie some more depth um, for the scares, but as it stands, I don't really think that it's, um, it's doing anything with the score. And I, I, apparently John Carpenter just said it was too much work to do a score and direct at the same time. He didn't, he didn't want to do both. He's getting too old to do both. Um, which I, I get, I understand, but I just think the film would have been more effective with a Carpenter score that emphasized the, the spookiness of the atmosphere. Um, Uh, anything else that you can think of to say about the word? 
<laughs> yeah, I don't. I honestly don't have any much else. I mean, that's pretty much the word in a nutshell. And I think that's really what um, I think that says more about the film than anything that we can actually put into words. Like that, that we really don't have much to talk about about it because it it just doesn't have much going on. Um, and it's, we- it's weird looking back now. It's just kind of like this is what John Carpenter came back for ten years of being absent and this is what we got mm-hmm. we yep seen him another decade later we haven't seen him since All right um but i do think it's an admirable effort i i think he did a good a good job i think overall it's probably just there weren't enough ideas there to make a an engaging film it's a competently made film in every sense, but it's just not like, you know, and as you said, that definitely brings up the question like, well, is it better to be bad or is it better, better to be mediocre? You know, that definitely depends. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Cause I mean, I think that this one, you know, it's a better, st- made, it's a better made film than vampires, but yep. vampires is fucking John Carpenter's vampires is enjoyable due to how fucking just ridiculous it is. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think that this movie is a little bit worse off just because it really doesn't have anything going on. It doesn't have anything, um, you know, wor- worth talking about. All right, so we got to give this movie a score. So on a... So let's see what what do we want to give this? <laughs> I'm trying to think now because there's not even any defining uh, defining characteristics that we can we can uh, have a rating based on. Um, let's see. So oh, uh, there we go. No, you got I, one. Well, I'll get one, but it's not going to relate to the film exactly. All right, I'm going to relate it to. Uh, Jared Harris on a scale of zero to one. I mean, zero to ten. Rockins from <laughs> yeah. Chernobyl. Uh, what do you give this film? Um, let's see. I think I I give it a five out of ten. Hmm. And I think I give it that just because it is a it is a well made movie. It's well acted. It's um the script is fine. You know, there's nothing that stands out about it that's like super cheesy or, um, you know, not well written. So everything about it is like just sits in that like it's fine scale. And I think that so that is like the perfect um, five rating where it sits right in the middle of being good and bad. (laughs) And I think that, um, you know. This film doesn't it, – it, you can't really recommend it and you can't really say don't see it because it's so mediocre that it will not offend anybody. But it's also not going to you know, get anybody's uh, interest because it just doesn't have a whole lot going on. So I think it's a perfect five movie. It's, it's, it's fine. It's mediocre. It does the job. Probably much like what Carpenter was trying to do with this movie is just get the job done. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's a fine watch. And, you know, if someone sets out to watch it, they're not going to be happy or mad about it. Just really. And I don't, it's, it's hard because I don't know many movies that sit in this really, um, yeah, this, yeah, this middle ground of being, like, eh, it's fine. It's not bad. It's not good. It's just there. Um, but it is interesting that this movie, like, both of us came to the same conclusion. It's just like, yep, it is a thing that exists, and it's it's perfectly fine. So I think that's a that's the def- definition of a five movie. <laughs> so I'm giving it a five. Um, I'll be a little bit more generous than you. I'll give it a six out of ten. Um, is it particularly enjoyable? No. Is it kind of a slog for 90 minutes? Yes. <laughs> but it is well acted. 
for the most part, Amber Heard does a great job, and so does the rest of the girls. They do, you know, Laura Lee and uh, Danielle Pan Baker. You know, they they do a really good job. Jared Harris is the star, I would say, out of the few minutes that he gets. It's an interesting concept, though derivative. I think it could have worked if they gave a little bit more thought and a little bit more. Instead of wasting time just kind of faffing about if they kind of, like, you know, actually got into the nitty-gritty of it. Because I do think, although a derivative idea, I think it's Carpenter could have done enough with it. Because, again, this is a well, for a low-budget film, it's well shot, it's well acted. Um, It's a very competently made film. And I think everyone that was here did put their... It does come across like they did put their best foot forward. I'm not going to say, like, you know. So, I mean, even though it's mediocre and forgettable, and you probably will have never any reason ever again to probably watch this film other than if when John Carpenter finally kicks the bucket to say, this is the last film that he touched, to say, hey, he he still had it, and he could still do it. And he was beyond a competent uh, director. And I think... The fact that it's missing other touches like his score or some of his penmanship probably does hinder the film because I think he could have, especially with the score, could have added something that was much more memorable. But I'd say a 6 out of 10 because there's a lot of stuff that we've done on the podcast that's like mid to 2010s uh, horror, which is an abomination in the same style, that do not have the same kind of professionalism behind it as this film seemed to have. So. I give it a six out of ten. Mm-hmm. I'd say you know that watch it just because it's probably going to end up being Carpenter's last go. Yeah, most unless likely. He's like, unless he's like Wes Craven's and surprises us with like some you know like oh, here's new Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Before he dies. <laughs> yeah. All right, so there you go. That's John Carpenter's The Shrine. <laughs> so before we before we move on. So out of all the films that we did, how would you rate them? Worst the best. All right. So we'll go, go from the creepy to the, you know, the bad and then the the carpenter. Yeah, that's that's true because we are coming to the end of our of our so creepy it's carpenter series. Uh we're it's obviously Huey, let's say as Huey Lewis would say, this is it. This is yeah. This is it. All right. So let's see. We have let's see. So I would say the creep – so from the creepiest to the best, is that what we're saying? Yeah, so worst, worst the best. So I would say probably the creepiest, the worst um, for me was Ghosts of Mars. It's definitely my, my least favorite movie that we watched so far. I'd agree. Um, then I would probably say The Ward. Then I would say Vampires. Uh, then I would go Village of the Damned. Then uh, this is a tough one now, so we're getting to the we're getting to the tough ones here. Uh, then I would say Body Bags. Then the Fog. Then now I gotta remember. Yeah, two left. Yep. Then Christine. Then Prince of Darkness. Okay. I mine would go Ghost of Mars. Okay. Um. Then the Ward. Then probably after the Ward. Hindsight being twenty twenty. Uh, probably the fog. Then vampires, body bags, Prince of Darkness, and wait, I forgot the Village of the Dam. Hold on. <laughs> okay, Ghost of Mars, Village of the Damned, The Ward. Um, probably the fog, body bags, uh, Prince of Darkness, and Christine. Okay. I mean, like I said, like, God, Village of the Dan was so hard to kind of read, too. Mm-hmm. Because 
That's you know that's the great thing about our ratings. They don't mean anything. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they don't mean anything. And they may the ratings that we gave on the individual episodes may not correspond with the 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 ratings that we just yeah the the full listing that we just gave so who knows the the ratings they don't mean anything but yeah this it's, it's like, been it's like it's like whose line is it anyway the yeah don't matter absolutely so it's been a fun uh it's been a fun uh ride for yeah. so creepy it's carpenter we did as, we've done most of his movies let's say as a carpenter fan most of these films i hadn't even seen yeah you know which you know Fuck me, I guess I'm not really a fan. <laughs> yeah, we did uh, We did most of his movies. There's still a few that we haven't done yet. We gotta do Starman. Yep, Starman, uh, Invis- Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Oh, I'm surprised. We gotta do Chevy Chase month. Yeah. Um, But we had we had a good time, and I would I would be interested in, in uh, pursuing more of these types of events where we do something like that um well, maybe for episode 200 because we're getting close we'll have to do they live because we did uh episode 100 we did the thing. that's true we never we've never done do they live or is are we going to do the remake of the thing oh yeah hmm. or, i mean the remake will the prequel yep all right so we have one more episode coming up before halloween got one more to do and are we revealing what we're doing, or are we just going to have it be a surprise until next week? We're doing uh, Roadhouse. Cause we said we're <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, because we didn't end up doing it before. We're going to do it for Red Hot Action 80s month, and then Ryan fucked off. Yeah. We're doing Halloween kills. Yeah, we're doing Halloween. Of course. It still fits in with the John Carpenter month. Or a series, I should say. But uh, obviously not directed by John Carpenter. You've I've already seen it already. I've already seen it. Yep. Which kills me. I've already seen it. Um, I wasn't allowed to go to the theater per my wife because of the COVID cases that we have around here. But uh, I, I watched it already. And um, I will say that I did enjoy it. So we'll have a lot more to talk about. The only thing when I know about show, it is but... it's been getting middling reviews. So yep. Yeah. Um. It's it certainly has had a very wide range of like you either like it or you don't really like it. And I will say that if you like it, you like it with caveats. And I'll leave it at that for right now because you haven't seen it, and um, we all, we'll obviously have a lot to talk about when we do the show. But yeah. So next week we're doing Halloween Kills. Obviously, we had to, of course. So, can't wait for Dream Five. <laughs> All right, so what? Uh, Same as oh, okay. Danny McBride did write it again. Yeah, Danny McBride, uh, David Gordon Green, and some other guy. <laughs> I can't remember who the other writer was. Well, they can't be fucking it up. All right, Blumhouse is really running on steam these days. Yeah. So it should be fun. Definitely tune in for our next episode. And we appreciate you sticking around for our So Creepy It's Carpenter month. Um, yes, when Scream 5 does come out, we'll be doing it. Absolutely. And also, uh, we will be doing probably a Thanksgiving episode of some sort. And we'll be doing our Christmas season because we always do that. We'll be doing Dutch again. Yeah. <laughs> So you'll want to stick around for all of that. And if you do stick around, subscribe to us on pretty much any podcasting app that you can think of. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, our home base at Anchor.fm. Any of those, subscribe to us. Leave us a nice review. Uh, That always helps us out. We are on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for us on there, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. And uh, we have an email address at Podcast at gmail.com. Write to us. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Take that into consideration. Finally, you can donate to us on our Patreon page or on Apple Podcasts or on our Anchor page. Any of those donations helps us out, helps us buy more beer. So we really appreciate that. Uh, We hope you enjoyed our episodes on um, John Carpenter-directed movies. And we hope you tune in next time for our Halloween Kills episode. Uh, And, you know, hopefully you stick around for all the stuff that we have coming up as we hit our 200th episode. It's crazy.
Oh, I will say, you know what? After watching this film, you know what John Carpenter should have done after this? What's that? Bates Motel. Yeah? Yeah, that probably would have been a good one. Imagine him directing Bates Motel. Yeah, it would have been fun. I'm sure Vera Farmiga would have loved him. Well, he couldn't do that because they already got in a reference during Halloween H2O to Psycho, so. (laughs) All right. Time to sign off. Till then, take care.